you're learning the morale about the two zugos, the two partners who teach us about how to ensure that the court system is going to be run of the IMS. Yehuda ben spoke about how to not be distracted by one of the witnesses, by one of the litigants, and to consider them both the same. And Shemim ben told us about the witnesses had to ensure that the testimony we're receiving is true and is, is accurate. We saw previously that the two Zugas complement each other. They came to speak about two sides of the same idea. The morale explains is one talking about the side of Ava and one speaking about the side of Yura. Ava we spoke about as those things which are positive and Yura is what to avoid those things which a person must keep away from. Now, if we look at the instruction of Yudha ben Tav and ben Shetach, we'll find something interesting. Both of them have a positive instruction and also an exhortation of what not to do. And if Yudha ben Tav says that don't be like a lawyer to one of the sides, that's the exhortation. And the instruction is consider both sides like Roshayim, who stand in front of you, and only after they leave you, consider them both to be tzaddikim. Similarly, when it comes to Shimon ben Shetach, so he says the positive, what one needs to do is have a One should make sure to cross-examine the witnesses thoroughly. And the negative is don't say something which could lead them to understand what you want from them and distort the testimony. So they're both saying different parts of the same idea, but the question is which one is coming to represent the side side of what he needs to do and which one is coming to explore the area which one needs to avoid. And why this is a question is because Maral himself explained previously that in every Zug one of them was the Nasi and one was the Abbasi. And he explained there that the Nasi's job as being more elevated in status was to tell people what to do and the Abbasi's job was to lay down the law so to speak and tell people what not to do. So what's the situation over here? So let's see what the morale says inside. Was that very necessary to ensure the honesty of the judiciary? Not to take sides and then try and promote the interests of one of the two parties is something a person needs to be very careful about. It can make a big difference to the outcome of the case. A person should make sure not to do something which can cause a distortion of justice. And it's not unlucky for the judge to be guilty of this because he considers one side to be more correct than the other one and he'll take his side. When it comes to cross-examining the witnesses very well, there were any ways that a witness could change what he's saying and the result would come out wrong. Adding with subtracting a word which can change the whole context and the whole meaning of what he's saying. Yes, we have to be careful not to lead the witness along. 
that he asks questions in a way that the witness understands what he wants, and then he's going to tell you his answer for that. And therefore, they both came therefore to attack in the way of Basin Esteran. Like the Ramayana said previously, that in every Zug, one of them talks about the positive, which is really a derivative of the main positive mitzvah of Avas Hashem, and same thing, which is what one shouldn't do. In both of these aspects, in Avas Hashem, in the situation of the courtroom, in the situation of the situation of the courtroom, in the situation of the courtroom, on the one hand, there's a positive of judging people favorably, of rectifying what's wrong in society, of ensuring that justice gets carried out. That's all positive. And even by Abraham Avinu himself, the paragraph of Avaz Hashem, and so he was going to he was going to exhort his children after him that they would follow the way of Hashem to do Tzedakah and Mishpat. So for sure, there's a very big positive uh, to Mishpat, to ensuring that justice is carried out. And there's also a negative. And then there's also a negative. Not to cause a miscarriage of justice. And therefore the Zog were warned about the Mishpat. And that's like we said, on the one hand, the derivative from the Ava. And we the Mishpat to honor the car of the Ava Sashem. Really, there's another aspect of Mishpat too, why it's compared to Avas Hashem, and that is one's taking, so everyone could word it like that, the job of Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's function in the world, if one wants to call it that, is to ensure justice gets done, and the person who's carrying out justice is is uh, embodying the role Hashem plays. And the Prophet even says, Ani Hashem Oyev Mishpat. And therefore the Dayan who is ensuring the Mishpat is fulfilled, is fulfilling the Ratzin Hashem. V'chein Hashem Yitzvah Chusoyin Lo'avlo, V'shakeh V'mishpat, Tzumim Hashem hates a shaker dishonesty or corruption of the justice. V'mutuah Bein Hashem. V'vikach Barayir, V'yarim Yen Hashem, V'shan Yitzvah Mishpat. Therefore a person is afraid to to pass incorrectly and cause a wrong verdict to come out, that's what Hashem dislikes. And if that's the case in our Mishnah, who's the Nasi, who's the one who's telling us what to do? So the Maral has two explanations. He says, He takes the first statement Yudha bin Tabai says, has been warning us what not to do. He takes the first statement of Shem ben Shevetach was a positive statement what you need to do. Basically, he said is that the Nasi should be telling us what to do and the Abed should be telling us what not to do. The Moral asks, Here it seems it's the other way But the Moral explains, even though it sounds like a question, really it's not. Because Avodavah Zechiz of Godel, the Pirish of Shemayinu. Why? Because he brings the Gemara in Chagiga. Kiyopere ke'en darshin, ko'amim ba'gemara. Tanir Abonin, shloisha mizugas harishonim sh'om rilismech, ashleim mizugas harishonim sh'om rilismech, 
When the one argument the were running through the Zugas was whether the person should do smich on Yamtif, there were five generations of Zugas, and each door the same arguments came to the surface again. And on that, the Gemara says that in three cases, the first one was Avestin, and the second the Nasi, and the other the other way around. They say that in this case, Shemit Shetach was a Nasi, and Yehud ben Tav was a Vestin. And if that's the case, so then we look very well down the order of our Mishnah. Because Shemit ben Shetach, who was a Nasi, tells us what to do, even though he's quite a second, and Yehud ben Tav, who was a Vestin, tells us what not to do. But even as the, the truth is, there's a machlekes in the Gemara. There's another opinion that it was the other way around. That Yehuda ben Tavah was a nasi, and Shem ben Shedach was not bested. And therefore, the Moral says, It's not such a proof. And therefore you could say that even if Yudha bin Tabi was a Nasi, he meant the positive, which means one has to ensure that the din is going to come out correctly and not to do things which are going to, so to speak, cause an imbalance and uh, give a person a certain in, like, tendency to follow one side against the other. And when Shemit Shetach said, it sounds positive, and that is, examine the Edim very well, he meant in the context of, and therefore you're going to avoid the situation of a witness testifying falsely. Okay, so whichever way around it is, there's two different options, who was an Nasi and who was a Vestin. Either way around, the Moral can explain that the advice of Shemit Shetach and Shemit Tabai could be seen as both ways. Something which is uh, there to promote justice, and something there which is to prevent falsehood. Why would there be an argument about who is a best and who is a nasi? Weren't such things common knowledge? And the answer is, in most generations, there were, which is why there isn't an argument. But in the generation of Shem ben Shetach and Yudha ben Tabai, we know what the Gemara tells us that that was the time period when the king at the time, his name was King Yanai, he decided to kill all the Chachamim, and therefore whoever survived suspended and ran for their lives in all different directions. And therefore there wasn't a sitting Sanhedrin, so to speak, for most of that period, where everybody was together and could render rulings as a united Sanhedrin. And therefore there was a question, who had which title? Because it was, a, so to speak, a title in absence. When the Sanhedrin, for most of that time period, wasn't convened on a regular basis. The Gemara tells us that Shem ben Shedach ran to Egypt to escape from Yanai until he was brought back. And therefore, even if he was the title of the Nazi or Sanhedrin, or, or the Avestin, he wasn't sitting as part of Sanhedrin because he was an exile. Okay, so that just explains the, the statements they made and uh, what they decided to speak about. Now, what's the pro- progression from what we spoke about in the previous sugars? <laughs> How each one's advice is a continuation of what the door before him. Everything is connected. In this case too, what they say is is lined up with the, the 
zug in front before them. The how a person relates to those near to him, and the kachol masayla chorav, and the chachove, he doesn't go to the kafschos, because the shaykh elodim. Just like the door before that, so I got the base of the person's family. Same thing. We saw the instructions of how to inter interact with other people. Why? Because the first step is how a person to fix himself. We said a person is to base everything he does on Avos Hashem and Yeros Hashem. V'akach tikkun base that's the second step, and that is how to relate to his home, his family. And that's looking at Zuga Rishon, which was the Zuga of like we saw Yosef and Yehuda, Yosef and Yechanan. V'akach tikkun mabrios how to relate to other people beyond his family. V'kehem gamkin shayichem elo. Merav v'achove people who have connection to him. And that's looking the second Zuk. Kitzarek kodol la'olam merav v'achove. How to act to people in public office. As a judge, somebody has an influence on the tibur, how he should react and act to the tibur when he's in a position of authority. It's not the same connection as a friend and a rav of the judge to the people that he's judging. It's not the same level of connection in person with his family or with his friends or with his neighbors. Nevertheless, why? Because they are much more connected to a person. And that's therefore being attacked in relationship with them is more of a token to the person too. There's a connection between the judge and the people he's judging. And therefore, a person also can perfect himself by the way he relates to the people that he's judging. Just like the previous generations spoke about how a person can perfect himself in the arena of the people that he relates to, this will even apply to the day. It's not as close as the previous levels. Nevertheless, the previous levels which are relationship with other people through the din is also something which a person can use to improve himself. And therefore, we saw the two sides of the, the instructions which are given to a dying, how to perfect himself. Uh, in, as, in, in the case of something injustice, the first is how to ensure that everything is being done is being done with the, the, the correctness of the halacha, not just to, so to speak, to help the side that he feels is the is the one who's speaking the truth, or to save the person who feels has been wrongly charged or wrongly taken advantage of. The balance that the dayan has to have to make sure that everything is not pitted in. And the second point we saw from Shemim Shatach, and that is to establish that as best we can that the testimony of the witnesses is true, and therefore we rely, because we want to rely on that, to issue our ruling. We said at the beginning of Avos that when the, one of the Tanoim teaches us a lesson in Avos, it wasn't a random uh, something which came to them and they felt that they wanted to say, it was rather who Haya Omer, to something that the person regularly said, because it was something that was either 
were incredibly important to the time period they lived or something which made a very big difference in their own personal life. And that's what led them to learn this lesson. And in this particular case, we see both by Yehuda ben Tabe and by Shimon ben Shetach events in their life which definitely had a tremendous effect on them and was probably the catalyst for the lesson that Torah Zabir gave us. It was the lesson that they learned from the experience that they had. So let's first talk about what the Gemara tells us, one of the few Gemara's which tell us about Yehuda ben Tabe. And uh, introduction to the Gemara in Marcus and the Fairmont base, the Gemara is talking about the din of an Eidzeimim. An Eidzeimim is a witness who has conspired to falsely frame somebody else as having done an Avera. And as a result of that, they want the base then to kill the other person for the crime that they, they testify he's committed. Except the whole thing is a fabrication. And the two witnesses never saw and weren't there to see the crime that they come into to give evidence has taken place. So the Torah says in a case like that, if a second pair of witnesses would get up and blame the first of giving false testimony and not having been there to witness the, actions, the incident which they claim to have seen, so the Alakha says, We have to give the penalty which the first and guilty pair of witnesses were trying to inflict on the accused, we give them that penalty instead. So if they wanted to cause him a man with us, we charge them the money. If they want him to get killed, we're going to kill them in the place. That's the end of the Eidzeimim. Now, on that background, the Mishnah says, in Marcus Yehuda ben Tabai said, that one time he killed an Eidzeimim. He found somebody to have been given false testimony, in the case which renders him an Eidzeimim, and he killed the Eidzeimim, in fulfillment of the Torah's death. And that Shem ben Shetach asks him, his partner, Shem ben Shetach asks him, he says, did you kill one witness or two? You only killed one of the witnesses. Why? Because there was more uh, clear proof about this witness that he was the Ezeim and not about his partner. So Shem ben Shetach tells Yehuda ben Tabai, if so, you've done the wrong thing. Because there's a detail in the Lachaz of Ezeimim, and that is we can't kill one of the pair of Ezeimim unless we kill them both. In other words, the punishment has to be given equally to both of the Edim. And if one of them has whatever factors, mitigating factors that might be, that we can't implement the death penalty on him, we can't kill the other one either. Which means, like the Gemara makes it sound, that Yehuda ben Tabai killed an innocent, not an innocent man, but killed a man who wasn't Chayav Mesa. He may have been verified to be an Ezeimim, but nevertheless, the terrorist penalty, for a technicality, wouldn't have applied to him. If that's the case, to kill him was really killing somebody who didn't deserve to die. And therefore, like the mission says, that Yehuda bin Tabi took on himself to do Shiva for the rest of his life. Now, obviously, Yehuda bin Tabi must have thought to himself afterwards, what's the lesson he could have learned from this incident? And that's the mission we just saw. Yehuda bin Tabi says, don't be like the Orachiyad which means don't, once assume, once the person is right, we can take over the case and we can push for that conclusion. Because what we saw, the possibility of doing that is that a person, if he, as much as he believes the one side is right, and as much as he might even be telling the truth about that, but nevertheless, one has to make sure that all the requirements of the Rokha are fulfilled. Otherwise, he's causing a miscarriage of justice. And that's what you have been taught by learned. As much as he was convinced, 100%, that the aid in question was an Eidzaimim, and therefore morally deserved to die. But he forgot, therefore, to check all the technicalities of the halacha to make sure there wasn't some factor which, because of just the 
a mitigating factor would have saved the aid from a penalty. And therefore, Yehuda ben Tabai's take-home lesson from this was, don't be like the Orochei Dayani. Don't take sides in a case and then be blinded by the side you're trying to either reward or punish and forget about making sure that all the details of the Allah are fulfilled as well. That's the first story in the Quran. Perhaps the basis of the Mishnah of the teaching of Yehuda ben Tabai Bas. What about Shem ben Shatach, who's, who's living, so to speak, uh, lessons us is to cross-examine the witnesses very well. Why would that have been something that he felt important to repeat? So the Gemara tells us a story that Shem and Shetach in his capacity of being the Nasi found out about a certain group of women who were practicing witchcraft. Witchcraft of a nature which is punishable by death by the Torah. And Shimon ben Shetach concocts a whole plan of how he's going to catch these women, and how he's going to try them, and how he's going to punish them, which is what he did. He managed to net a group of 80 women in Ashkelon who were all guilty of practicing, practicing sorcery, and he judged them all and he killed them all. Now the Gemara says that those people who had been killed by Shem ben Shetach in this purge of idolatry, they had relatives. And the relatives wanted to avenge, so to speak, themselves with Shem ben Shetach. But what could they do? He was a Nazi. So the relatives came up with the following diabolical plan. They thought, we're going to come as witnesses, and we're going to testify against Shem ben Shetach's son. We're going to say that Shem ben Shetach's son is Mechal or Shabbos, and we'll make sure that our testimony lines up with each other, and then we'll be able to to take revenge on Shemim Shetach by making sure that his son is going to get killed as a alleged Mechal Shabbos, which is what they did. Obviously, they made sure that their witness, their testimony, coincided on every point. And it came to Bastin, and Bastin listened to the, the testimony, and Bastin tried to cross-examine them, and they stuck firm to their position. And now Bastin has Allah. If two witnesses come and tell us something, then you have to believe them. And therefore, as Anak, you must have been to think of Shemim and Shetach's son as publicly being Mechal the Shabbos, but nevertheless, if two aliens tell us that's what happened. And if two aliens tell us that's what happened, we can't, and we can't disprove the testimony, we have to accept them. So that's what happened. In this tragic story, the basin was forced to accept the testimony of two witnesses who, were, who weren't witnesses to any real crime, rather they were just scheming and plotting to, between them to bring a death penalty to Shemim and Shetach's son. But the basin is the Paskin with the facts presented to it, and therefore Basin had to accept the testimony. The halacha is that normally before a person dies, we give him the chance to do video, so that way his death should be a kapara for the various being killed for. And in this case, when they gave Shem bin Shetach's son a chance to do video before he was killed, because Basin was for Paskin, like his alien, that he they accepted the testimony that he had been Mechal Shabbos was Chayat Mesla. So Shem bin Shetach's son says, if it's true, this allegation against me, and I was Mechal Shabbos, then my death now should be a kapara. But he says, but if it's not true, and I've been falsely framed, and I was never Mechal Shabbos, then the fact that I'm being killed as an innocent man should be a source of, a, so to speak, a reminder of sin for the witnesses forever. And the witnesses, having heard this, broke down and confessed that they had 
that contrived to uh, take revenge on Shadrach by killing his son, and the testimony is a fabrication, and the story never happens. And what happens next? What happens next is the Bastin says we have a rule in the Torah, and that is that once the Torah is spoken, he can't retract his testimony. You spoke as witnesses, you gave testimony, the Bastin accepted your testimony. You have no right to change or to alter the testimony. And therefore, we as a basin are not allowed to listen to their retraction. We're not allowed to listen to the fact that they, their admission that the whole thing never happened. We have to accept the testimony that said first, and that's all. And that's the case. It's, tremendous, it's a tremendously painful story. It means that on the one hand, Shumim Shetach was presiding over a court which put his son to death for no reason. For no reason. But on the other hand, there was nothing he could do. Because once testimony has been given, and the basin has to pass the basin testimony, there's nothing to do. And that's the case, the lesson that perhaps Shem Ben Shetach learned from the story was, don't allow such things to happen. Make sure to examine and cross-examine witnesses so well. Not just to cross-examine them, even to scare them. Do you realize what you're doing wrong if you're going to give false testimony? Do you realize what a big it is? What a damage you're doing to another person's life? Because perhaps the Rebu Yichakiris, the lengthy process of interrogation and the threat of what the person is doing wrong if he's really just framing somebody would be such to prevent such things happening in the future. In both of these stories, one sees the destructive power that judges can have to allow a miscarriage of justice to happen, an innocent person to get killed. Not that everyone's blaming Shem Ben Shadach, but the outcome of the story was the innocent person got killed. And therefore the warning and advice they're giving us is how to do the best we can when it comes to a base din to ensure that the din is carried out properly. And like we said, the rewards are huge as well. Just like the Gemara says, that a giant should see Gehenim under his feet, that is because if he's going to pass him falsely, that's what he's going to end up. We saw the reverse too as well. There's a special love Hashem has for Mishpat and for those people who are working to be with the world, to set the world up in Mishpat, like Hashem does. Melech for Mishpat Yamidarts. That's the basis on which Hashem makes the world run. Last point, that's also the function of a dain. On the one hand, the dain is not the one who's spending his time necessarily, let's say, learning Torah. He's busy judging case after case, the same cases which come again and again. But he's uh, giving the ability for the world on which the world's going to run. And then that's, uh, that's an expression of Avis Hashem. And the caution that a person takes not to make a mistake in the passing of the din, that's an expression of Zerushimah.